I think it all comes down to productivity and being smarter at doing things. The amount of repetitive tasks we all do, the amount of repetition that exists in today's world is so big that machines can actually do a better job. Like they learn, we give enough examples, they learn, they are consistent. You're listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. Conversations with industry leaders on new trends and products that can grow your business. Today, host Jordan Roger Smith sits down with Christina Fonseca, VP of Product at Zendesk, and Shadi Kapti, Director of Business Engineering here at Meta, to discuss how the use of AI has evolved in the way customers use and experience products, and what the future holds for businesses as AI becomes an even more integrated part of our day-to-day experience. You are listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Rogers-Smith. And if you want to learn from industry leaders about new trends and products that can grow your business, then this is the podcast for you. Today, I'm going to be joined by Christina Fonseca, Vice President of Product at Zendesk, and Shadi Kopti, Director of Business Engineering at Meta. We're going to be discussing how the use of AI has evolved in the way customers experience and use products and how things may change as AI becomes an even more integrated part of our day-to-day experiences. But first, before we jump into it, I'd love to hear from this week's guests. Christina, welcome. Tell us a bit about your background, your journey into AI, and, and what you now do at Zendesk. Thank you so much, Jordan, for having me. Actually, my journey into AI has been quite unique. So before AI, I got into customer service. So I co-founded a company named TalkDesk, which is a cloud-based solution for call centers. With that, I got into CX and then around 2015, 16, AI started being very popular and people believed like the potential of AI was huge, but few people understood what was possible. Like, how do we get to this potential? So that got me into a degree. So I decided to study in order to understand what was possible and what was not possible. And then after that, I co-founded a company called Cleverly.ai that was acquired by Zendesk two years ago. Some of our technical components became the foundation of what Zendesk AI is today. So that was, I have a technical background, so I was very curious with the technology and that was what got me into AI. Excellent. Welcome to the podcast. And Shadi, same question to you. Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm leading the North America business engineering team at Meta. Our mission is to accelerate customer success through technical innovation. These days, that's a lot of AI. My journey in AI started 20 years ago at IBM. I was a researcher working on expert systems to increase productivity of the hardware engineers. And as the world became more digitally instrumented, I spent a few years optimizing pricing decisions for retailers using historical data. And then a few years in the Watson team, helping enterprises build their own machine learning models. So I've seen the space evolve and become more democratized and in fact, impactful. Amazing. Thank you both. And it's great to have you on the show. So... As you said, the platforms that you're both from, they've been around actually quite a long time. I didn't realize this, how long Zendesk had actually been around, but it's about the same amount of time as Metis. We're talking 15, 20 year timeframe. And if we look back at how they started and what they look like, it's obviously very different than where we are today. But what's probably not clear to most people is actually, even though AI is the hot topic at the moment, Both platforms have been leveraging AI from very early on in their journey or in their story and helping customers throughout that time. Christina, do you want to talk a little bit about how AI has evolved at Zendesk and how the product has evolved with AI and how it's really helped improve the overall experiences of of consumers that use it? 
For sure. So at Zendesk, as you mentioned, we've been embedding AI in our products since a couple of years ago. I think as a lot of business applications, we started by helping customers program some workflows and have pieces of AI that would not be as disruptive. And Zendesk, since it was founded, has tried to make software beautifully simple and easy to use. And AI was still not there up until now. I think AI was basically a technical platform that would be given to companies. And then as a result of that, companies would have to spend at least six to 12 months implementing an AI project, understanding what good looks like in terms of model, being responsible for model training. And that's not the expectation. Within Zendesk, we believe AI should exist off the shelf. And the latest revolution in terms of large language models coming out, to me, the most magical thing was that it really changed the expectations of business leaders that AI should be like, I click a button, AI is available to me. I don't need to understand what's the underlying technology. I don't need to understand what's accuracy. I don't need to invest in a consultancy project to make AI work and deliver impact to me. To me, that has been the interesting transformation we are going through that aligns very well with what we believe AI should be in regards to what we believe uh, AI should be delivered to our customers, which is AI should be easy to understand and use. Shadi, feel free just to react from your Meta's point of view or build on top of it. Oh, absolutely. So AI has been at the heart of Facebook back then, 2006. It's been a central way that the news feed is able to rank the most interesting posts for each of us as we scroll through. On the business side, it also has simplified how advertisers approach our platform over time, simplifying budgeting and bidding, going through, selecting the right audience and targeting them. But these days, AI plays an even bigger role in recommendation of content uh, that's not only dependent on the social graphs, as short-form video become much more prevalent. It also has played a big part in the performance of our advertising platform as data becomes less granular with time. Generative AI is starting to play a growing role, both on the user side and also on the advertiser side. We've announced a bunch of new AIs in the last Connect conference where each AI is going to have a different personality for our users to engage with. I'm pretty excited about the potential there. Uh, and then on the advertiser front, we've announced the ability to have text variations, background generation, image expansion capabilities coming to business manager for everybody to be able to use and increase their productivity. And so what I've heard from both of you is really interesting is as both platforms have evolved, the complexity of the systems that are used and powered by AI fundamentally have got even more and more complex. But to the end user on the other side, actually things have got vastly simpler. The amount of understanding and knowledge the user needs has just got smaller and smaller to actually be able to, to capitalize and you know, make effective use of them. However, on the flip side of that, it's interesting how that abstraction really becomes to the end user, the sense of things just going into a black box and they're left with, you know, what they do on one side and then the output that comes out the other side, but not really understanding any more about how they got there. Do you think that leads to issues around trust or, you know, how can people understand what is going on and how do they get comfortable with the fact that it's not going to do something unexpected when everything's abstracted away and it's this simple in and out? How do we make sure the more prevalent these systems become? that people truly trust in them and use them without having to necessarily know exactly how it all happens. And Christina, I'd love to get your sense of how you're thinking about this and how you apply it to product as Zendesk. To me, one of the biggest challenges is building trust. How do we have our customers build trust in AI? I believe everyone understands what the potential is and people really believe there's a lot of potential, especially if we think about customer service. It's one of the industries that everyone agrees is gonna be more disrupted with AI. But then 
few customers are ready to say, dear generative AI, you're now in charge. Can you please answer my customers and automate what I know can be automated? Few customers are ready to do that. So what we are doing on the product side is to find ways to allow customers to start small. And maybe they are not ready to say, dear AI, please handle all my customers' requests, but we can help them say, it's okay to deal with account-related questions first, while everything else is still escalated to a human. Another very important aspect, and I'm in the bots business, but I'm very skeptical of bots because I think in the past years, bots have done a terrible job at serving humans. So the experience as an end user we've been having with bots like it's a little bit underwhelming because bots don't understand the customers well. And that's where the bottleneck is. So one, we've been investing a lot in making sure we have a very good intent detection mechanism so we understand what the customers want and how the customers are feeling. And then we use that to make sure we can distinguish what can be automated and should be automated versus the things that we are still not ready to automate. There are topics that are too sensitive, too complex, we still believe a human connection will deliver a better result. First of all, making sure we use AI to automate what should be automated is key. So the end user experience is the best possible one. And then make sure we also use this intent detection in this layer of customer understanding to allow our customers to adopt AI or generative AI step by step. So I can say, I'm going to start small. I'm going to see how it works. I'm going to build trust. And then I'm going to go from there. because. Trust me, few customers are ready to say, boom, you can go. AI is now in charge. I totally agree. There's a spectrum of trust. As it comes to AI, we see things like our automation advantage plus suite that we have at Meta, where we've got like massive benefits that customers are getting. That's in the more trustworthy side. Customers are testing and learning as they, they try to gain more confidence in the systems. And that is happening. On the chat LLM front, it's clear that we're very early on in that journey and a lot of human supervision or human co-piloting is part of the conversation there. I see a lot of companies that start with these use cases internally before they start getting the confidence of bringing it externally. So there's always going to be this trade-off between automation and the risk-taking that we will take collectively. But it's a really exciting time as we see the productivity becoming very real. So Shadi, I'd love to dig a little deeper on what you just said there about the trade-off between automation and trust in a sense. Trust is really one thing, but as you said, it goes hand in hand with that level of automation. And so how, when you're talking with businesses or working with customers or consumers, how do you find that balance of automation versus the manual way of doing things, particularly if all you're ever used to is manual? Like, How do you begin to even let up those reins to let automation come in? The upside and the downside play a role here. We've seen advertisers get an improvement of 16% plus on uh, return on ad spend. And that's a lot of money. The question that you ask is, if I give controls to Advantage Plus, is the downside risky enough for me to not want these 16% and then gradually go into that phase? If you're putting out a chatbot that is going to interact with your customers and create reputational damage for you, that's a huge downside. And so you're going to be a lot less willing to do that before you get comfortable internally doing these things. So it's always going to be this trade-off between what is the upside, what is the downside, how much risk can you take, how aggressive do you want to be? And I guess, Christina, anything you want to build on top of that? I think maybe in Shadi's world is a little different, right? Because maybe the risk is lower and there's a lot you can do behind the scenes, just making software better. I think that's where 
there's already lots of applications of AI that are out there. The best example I have is my the phone to my kids without the recommendation algorithms and his favorite videos, and it will be really mad. And what's the underlying technology? It's AI, and it's the recommendation engine that relies on using data to give you the personalized recommendations. So I think like in those applications, it's way easier to do experiments and have an adoption of AI more broadly. I think when there's the risk of the reputational damage, and in our case, we also have a lot of AI deployed to customer service agents. There, we've seen two interesting aspects. One, by default, the reaction to these assistants, and I believe everyone will have multiple assistants in, to help us like be better at the multiple jobs we need to do every day. In the next couple of years, that should be the expectation. But somehow, when you first deploy these applications to your agents, the reaction is, this is replacing me, or this is eliminating a part of my job, so I'm going to be skeptical. These people will try to find all possible excuses to tell you that this AI is not good enough, or is not doing a good job, or point the 20% of the cases where it's giving you a wrong suggestion or a wrong reply versus the 80% of the times it's saving you a lot of time and money. So another mechanism we try to embed when we do this is making the confidence level of our predictions transparent. Because sometimes, for example, let's say I'm recommending a reply for a customer service agent to use when replying to a customer. There's times when I'm 95% sure that's the reply because I've seen that a million times and I know exactly like that should be it. But there's other times where that's a new thing. I have not seen an example like that, or I don't have enough data to give a good recommendation. And my recommendation is going to be bad. AI will only be trying. And if I don't flag that to the agent and say, look, this is a recommendation I have low confidence about, the default will be AI is crap. I don't want to use this. It's not doing a good job. Like feedback is negative. So I think we need to think like from a product perspective, how do we have these people look at AI and take advantage of the 80% of the times it's right versus understanding there are still some limitations? But we've seen also when a new agent joins, having AI as an assistant from day one, that person will rely on that assistant to understand what to do. And that can be very powerful, especially in a world where we work remote, we work under pressure, it's hard to onboard and to learn something new. So these assistants can be just very powerful in improving productivity and leveraging the data that exists within companies to give recommendation, context, help with better writing and so on and so forth is just too obvious for companies not to adopt these technologies. And I think that touches on a really interesting point, which is for a lot of businesses, all of the tools and all of the pieces of the puzzle they have generally with inside themselves already, like it, most of it's already there. It's figuring out how to put it into practice. And the challenge at the moment is there's just been an explosion of tooling and different models and platforms. There's five or six different banded around terms to do it this way, that way, this way. And so how do customers, or how would you recommend from your experience, how customers even begin that journey of thinking about, okay, how do I even put AI into my workflow? to even get a small amount of the benefits Zendesk has been able to apply when there's just an overwhelming array of options and noise in the media about what is possible and where to go. And it probably is overwhelming for someone who hasn't started that yet. I don't know about Chadi, but to me, I think it can be even a little bit annoyed when people ask me, 
oh, how did your strategy change with large language models? Like, people, I'm a product person. The problems we are solving today are the problems our customers had one year ago before this hype. So that's always my recommendation. What are the problems that are painful to you today and that it's a priority for you to solve? There's a high chance AI can help you solve those problems, eliminate manual work, make sure you automate some of the repetitive requests. There's lots of potential. But when people start thinking about what can I do with this technology, I'm interested in this tool and that tool, and the need doesn't come from a real problem, things can get confusing. So my recommendation is always to start from the problem, try to understand how the goals of a company in terms of efficiency match what we have in terms of technology and go that way. I know there's lots of hype and every time I talk to a customer, I learn about a new company connecting to an LLM and leveraging a large language model to make their operations more efficient. I think there are some very interesting challenges, namely in terms of how do we test these models? How do we know what good looks like? Testing generative AI, it's very hard. And the underlying model changes. How do I guarantee the performance is still good? How do I fine-tune these models in order to make sure the data that lives internally within companies can be used to make sure these models do a very good job in a particular context? I think it's still very early days. There's lots of very interesting and complex technical challenges in order to make sure these technologies are properly deployed and made available to customers in a way that will actually deliver value. And I think most people in the industry are like still didn't get these challenges. So Jordan, I'll jump in here. I think one area that is clear to me that's already happening, it's productivity of engineering and development. I was talking to a customer two weeks ago at our Connect conference, a very senior person that obviously doesn't write a line of code. And he said, even I am a Python expert these days because I can use AI. I'll give it the documentation and it'll write everything else. Uh, so I think that's been pretty impressive. Preparing for this meeting today, I used Meta AI to give me some ideas for uh, the smartest things that I can say. Hopefully it did make me smarter. I prepared a speech last week in, in my team offsite. I asked Meta AI to give me some ideas. It's, it's just brilliant productivity. So I think for everything that is internal productivity, where you still have a human that can guardrail, put the guardrails around it such that it's not just running on its own. It's already providing a lot of productivity, and I think that's just going to grow. Now, there's uh, consuming Gen AI capabilities. Like we mentioned at the beginning, some of the creative capabilities that we've added, I know a lot of partners in the ecosystem are creating fascinating things that are making marketers more productive and creating creative and creating text variations and so on. I think that's pretty straightforward. It doesn't require a lot. Uh, you can go into building your own based off of Llama uh, 2 or any other framework. And that begins to climb up the complexity side and climb up the value side based on your own data and your own business assets and so on and so forth. The productivity is a today thing. Guardrailing it with humans is a today thing. Using it for productivity of creative is today. And I think the future is just going to be fascinating. Maybe I'm hyping this up too, but I'm such a geek at heart. I agree. I agree. Look, no hype. It's real. And I think that the one thing we can all agree on here is that we're all converts to you know, the importance of AI. But for listeners who might be skeptical or who might not understand why it will be such a big differentiator for the company, what would be the one thing that you would say to them to try and help them understand like why this isn't just a passing fad or like why this isn't something that's just going to fall out the media, some technologies of the last couple of years? 
Like, why is this a sustaining innovation that they need to pay attention to versus just hoping it goes away and everything goes back to the status quo? I think it all comes down to productivity and being smarter at doing things. The amount of repetitive tasks we all do, the amount of repetition that exists in today's world is so big that machines can actually do a better job. Like they learn, we give enough examples, they learn, they are consistent. So I think it's just too obvious, especially in terms of productivity improvements. We could debate if machines are going to take over. I think we are still far. I don't know if you agree, Shadi, but I think the technology that we have available today can work a lot smarter. And that's what we are talking about. So I think that the user behavior is shifting and it's a very real thing. If you look at ChatGPT today having 180 million daily active users, the examples that I gave earlier, which like I'm not changing these patterns of productivity that I've found for myself because it allows me to grow more faster. I think those, unlike a lot of the last technological fads, I think they're here to stay. For example, people are doing their travel planning today with Gen AI at the front end. People are getting help with education. Some advice around careers is easy to get started there. Advice on wealth planning, it's easy to get started there. I think the use cases are real and the user behavior is shifting and will continue to shift. The hard bit is still how do you take these technologies from internal to customer facing? And I think the more and more customer facing applications start to happen, that's where companies that move aggressively will be able to capture first mover advantage as these patterns of usage become part of the day-to-day. -day. Like you think about the big winners of the last 20-year internet cycle, it had a lot to do with how we got used to using what. So that's probably going to be a part of this cycle as well. I think a lot of the intuitive stuff that we do might be replaced, but I don't think expert level deep thinking is anywhere near being replaceable. For example, for the engineering side, coding might be at risk, but problem solving is not. And thinking creatively about systems and abstractions is very far from that being real. So I'm not going to put you both on the spot and ask you to make a prediction because there's nothing more dangerous than making a prediction in public. But I do want to close the episode by just getting your point of view on what is it that's the one thing that you are most excited about for the future in how AI could change the way we think about these things and the way we approach these problems for customers and for businesses. Not a prediction. What is it that you hope would happen in the future? My answer is very simple. I think we'll all have a sense that will help us get better at our jobs. And I believe maybe next year or the year after, it will be relatively soon. I think we will stop talking about AI and the hype. It will just become a technology that's embedded everywhere. In the same way that 10 years ago, everything was about mobile and mobile first. And today that's just became the way it is because we carry mobile phones and mobile phones are everywhere. I think in two or three years, no one will talk about AI anymore. It's just stable states is embedded everywhere and we'll see it changing applications. No, we'll all have assistance and no application will be good enough if it doesn't have intelligence embedded. Not a crystal ball prediction. Maybe you're expecting a little more, but this is what I have no, for no, you. No, 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 no. No, no. To not take the risk of being the person who makes the worst predictions, I'll agree that this is it's most likely that we'll have assistance. I think about this as at some point, companies didn't all have websites. And today, of course, you're going to have a website. That's the way people interact with you. And I think these assistants, these AIs, in a conversational way, in a way that brings a bit more contextualized and relative knowledge to these conversations is just going to be part and parcel of how humans and businesses interact with each other in the future.
I'm not going to come back to you both in a couple of years and hold you to those predictions. It's always fascinating to see where these things were going. And just as a little personal anecdote, I recently had a, a new child and I used uh, AI to help me pick the names. It's already changing my behavior. And on that final note, that is really all we have time for today. So to close, I do hope you enjoyed this episode on AI and customer experience. I do want to put a big thank you out to Christina Fonseca and Shadi Kopti for joining me in today's discussions. Thank you both for joining. Thank Thanks, you, Jordan. Jordan. Appreciate it. And so thank you for listening to the Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to get notified whenever there's a new episode released and help us share these insights with others by leaving us a five-star review. We hope you enjoyed this episode and would like to thank our guests, Christina Fonseca and Shadi Kapti for sharing their time and this valuable insight with us. You can find links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you for listening to the Meta Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. Mm-hmm.